Hi guys, this is Fiona from IELTS Exam Training Courses and Members Academy. In today's episode, we're going to do a reading from the general training test. I've had a few people ask me recently about the Members Academy and whether it was also good for general training test takers. Well, as you know, the only difference between general training and academic uh, test is that the writing task one is a letter. So you need to know lots of different letter styles. And then the reading part one and two are more kind of everyday topics. The first part is about everyday life and the second part is about um work situations. The third part is, part is very similar to an academic test. So there are really only two sections that are different in general training. And of course, I have a course in the Members Academy, which is devoted to writing letters for the writing part and to the types of reading that you get in part one and part two of general training. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at uh, section one and it's divided into two parts, as always. Um, people think the general training test is easier. Uh, I think it probably is. But the questions are the same types. So you'll you'll still get gap fill, um, true, false, not given, matching headings, matching statements, things like that. So the skills are all the same and I do have a full course on reading skills in the Members Academy, but it also applies to both um, types of exams. So I'd like to say hi to Verley. Verley's contacted me to ask me about this and Verley, yes, I am going to dedicate more of this podcast to general training and possibly start a new podcast um, devoted to academic training. That's what I'm working on at the moment. And uh, sorry, one last thing is that, yes, I've got about 50, 50 um, members are half of them general training and half of them do academic. So every week when we do the writing feedback, half of them do the general training, write a letter and half of them do the academic describe a graph. So they're treated equally. That, that's, that's, I hope, the answer to your question, Verlet. All right, so let's get started. This is section one and its title is Online Roommate Finder Toronto. And basically, it's somebody advertising their house or apartment and they're looking for somebody to share. So it's a very simple letter, kind of looks like a letter, but it's an advertisement. And it starts by saying, I have one room available in a large apartment located just off Queen and Bathurst in Toronto. The room is fully furnished with a double bed, desk, shelf and wardrobe. So then you look at the set of questions and it's true, false, not given. The first question is, the room available has two beds. And we've just said the room is fully furnished with a double bed. So you decide, you ask yourself the question, does it have two beds? Or the open question, how many beds does it have? 
Well, we know it has only one bed and therefore the answer is false. The room does not have two beds. It has one double bed. Question number two says the Australian in Sasha's apartment is a musician. So you quickly look for Australia and you skim through the bits where she says, I'm Sasha, I'm Canadian, I'm 23, I work in a restaurant. Um, my best friend has been living here, but now she's moving to Europe. There's a room available. And the third room is occupied by Simon, who is from Australia. He works part time in a music shop downtown and is a great drummer. I had to look twice at this, to be honest. The Australian in Sasha's apartment is a musician. So the first thing it says he works part time in a music shop. And I thought, OK, he's not a musician. He just works in a music shop. But then it says and is a great drummer. And that's it. Basically, he's a drummer. He plays the drums, which means he is a musician. And the answer is True. So what did you have to know? You had to know that a drummer was somebody who plays the drums. You could argue it's quite cultural. It's cultural knowledge rather than um, vocabulary. I don't know. But anyway, the answer is true because he plays the drums. He is a musician and he is Australian. He's called Simon and he's from Australia. Okay, the next question. Sasha does all the cleaning in the apartment. Now, whenever I see the word all, alarm bells start ringing. It's very typical of a false question because it's so um, extreme and it doesn't allow for anything else when you say she does all the cleaning. So my suspicion is that she doesn't do all the cleaning. And when you go to the text, it says we both like keeping the place neat and tidy. I actually enjoy cleaning in my spare time and sometimes we do it together as a roommate team. So it's what I expected. She doesn't do all the cleaning. They do it as a team. So the answer is false. And I think you could guess the next one. Number four, Sasha likes being in the open air. Well, most people say they like being outside, don't they? Not many people say they hate being outside. She's young, you know, she lives in Australia. So she says, I love watching movies, exploring, getting out of the city and into the outdoors. So you could guess that it's true. The open air synonym, the outdoors is true. Question five, the room available would be suitable for someone who likes to be quiet. Suitable for someone who likes to be quiet. Right. The apartment itself is very large, comes equipped with Wi-Fi, fully stocked kitchen, cable TV and Netflix. The bedroom is a long way from the living room, so it shouldn't disturb you if people come round. And besides, we are certainly very respectful. 
Okay, so basically, if you like to be quiet, your room is far away from the living room, so it shouldn't disturb you. Shouldn't there is a funny use. It doesn't mean advice. It means we are guessing. It's a modal of deduction. It's uh, we don't think it will disturb you. So the answer is true. The room would be suitable for someone who likes to be quiet. Doesn't mean you have to be quiet. But if you want to be quiet, then there's not much noise. So it's true. So, so far, we've had false, true, false, true, and there are two left. What do you think? Sasha thinks her apartment is in the best part of Toronto. Okay, again, you've got a superlative, the best part. That's quite hard to um, qualify what is the best part of Toronto. So, my suspicion would be that she doesn't say that. And if if it was the opposite, she would say it's in the worst part. Well, that sounds unlikely. So she says, um, we love actually, well, of course, she doesn't say anything. <laughs> it's simply not there. It's it's not given. She doesn't. She just says where it is. It says it's in Toronto and that's it. There's nothing to say it's the best or the worst. That's guessable. It's not given. Number seven as well. She has never had a roommate from Canada. Never. A strong word. So we're looking for some information that she's never had a roommate from Canada. What does she say? She says, I'm Canadian. She says, my best friend has been living here. She's going to Europe and that's it. There's no mention of never having a roommate from Canada. So it is not given as we predicted. All right, that is the first half of section one. Now we look at the second half. So the first half took us about 10 minutes. It would, it would, it will, it should, <laughs> it should take you about 10 minutes. The second part is about smartphone fitness apps. And there are four reviews or four different apps and you have to match um, seven statements to the apps. And again, with time, the more practice you do of these, the more you'll start to observe certain patterns. And it comes from your general background reading as well. You know, when they review apps, they'll start, there's a certain kind of order with apps, depending on possibly what they can do or possibly how much they cost. So if we briefly look at the first one, it's called Pacer. And it says Pacer generously includes all the features in one free app. So this one has everything. Um, this means you can spend no money yet to use your smartphone's GPS to track your jogging routes and examine details of your pace and calories burned. So you've got GPS um, plus your pace plus your calories all in one free app. All right. Now, if you go to the second one, Beat 2, 
Um, it says this free app, so it's also free, monitors your pace or if you have a heart rate monitor, your beats per minute. And it offers specially curated playlists to give you the perfect music. So this is already one step above the previous one. The previous one was just about running. This one also has music. The best bit is when you explode into a sprint and the music pounds in your ears. Or if you fancy something different, the app also has in-app purchases including tales of past sporting heroes you can listen to while you run. So there's an extra dimension. It's got these in-app purchases, things you can buy. Um, and these kind of things could be tales or stories of sporting heroes that you can listen to. OK, now we come to the C, Impel. Then you're getting more serious. It says if you're serious about the sport you do, you should be serious about Impel. It's one of the best, allowing you to track your performance, set goals and see daily progress updates. If you're ever not sure where to run or cycle, you can find user-created routes or share your own. All of that comes free of charge, while a premium version adds even more tools. So you've still got this freemium option. It's free, but you can pay for extra stuff. And it also has these, what's special about it is these user-created routes. Finally, D. There are plenty of GPS running apps, but Fast Track is an excellent freebie. Freebie again just means it's free. Although you naturally get more features if you pay for the pro version, the free release gets you GPS tracking, nicely designed map view, your training history, music and cheering. Yes, you can have friends cheer you on as you huff and puff during a run. If you can afford the pro version, you can add possible routes, voice coaches, smartwatch connectivity and more. But as a starting point, the free app gets you moving. OK, so I think they're all free, aren't they? They're all basically free, but they're all different. Um, the final one has a, a lot of stuff, um, including music. And if you want extra routes, then you have to buy the pro version. So a lot of pretty similar information. Let's look at the sentences now. The first one, number eight, this app can be used for more than one sport. So most of them talked about just running, but C talked about run or cycle. And it's the only one which mentioned another sport. So it's C, impel. Nine, you have to pay if you want this app to suggest where you can go. So we mentioned a lot of them have a premium version where you have to pay. But this one is paying for routes. Um, now, user created routes were included with C. Um, but in D, the last one, it said if you can afford the pro version, you can add possible routes. 
So the answer is D. Number 10. This app has well-presented visuals. Well-presented visuals. So we're looking about something looking for something positive about how it looks and that simply is a word where it says nicely designed map view and that is in d again it's the only one which mentions the design the design is how it looks well presented visuals 11 you do not have to pay for any of the features on this app so remember, that is the one we started with, where we said absolutely everything is free. It first line says all the features in one free app. Um, although previously it was split into pro and free, now it's totally free. So that's A without a doubt. Um, 12, you can pay to download true stories on this app. So... A lot of them you could pay for extra things, but we're looking for just these true stories. And it's in B, where it mentioned in-app purchases, including tales of past sporting heroes. And 13, you can get ideas about where to go from other people. So remember, we talked about user-created routes. And the only one where you could find them is in C, which is the Impel. It says you can find user-created routes or share your own. Um, maybe the trick was in D. It says you can add possible routes, but the question was ideas about where to go from other people. Number 14, this app gives you details of the energy you have used. Now, you might need to know something everyday language about energy used is, of course, calories burned. So that is the first one where it says you get details of your pace and calories burned. Notice it's in the passive form, but it's in the passive in the statement as well. The energy, oh no, it's not. It's active. Details of the energy you have used. Okay. And in the text, it's in the passive. Calories burned. So you do need to recognize that language in terms of calories which have been burned is shortened into that um, past participle um, calories burned. Yes. Okay, and that's it. We've taken about 20 minutes to do that very, very quickly. So in the next section, I'm going to look at section two. Section two of this general training reading goes straight into the topic of work. So section one is about everyday life. Section two, divided into two sections, is about work. And the title of this reading is why you should delegate tasks, tasks to team members. 
So it's all about delegation. The first line tells us it helps you get more done, helps your team members progress through learning new things and spreads the load in the team. So it's all very, very work oriented vocabulary. Delegation, of course, means getting people to do some of your work. <laughs> it has uh, positive and negative connotations, I guess. Um, yeah, it depends how you delegate, how well you do it. So there's some advice here on how to do it. And we're going to look at questions 15 to 20, which are gap fills. Um, number 15 says, ensure team members are aware of any something there are regarding how the work should be presented. So this is advice to anybody who has to delegate their work. They must make sure that the team, member, team members are aware of something. What should they be aware of? And we know it's plural because it says of any something there are. So any something plural there are. So the first paragraph says when you give someone a project to do make sure they have all the information they require okay so that's the first possibility could be the information but that's singular or oh, it's uncountable so it doesn't fit keep reading that includes specifying the date it is due writing a clear definition of the task providing any resources they need. Now, you've got resources, possibility to get it done or names of people you expect them to talk to. So we've already got some plurals, resources or names. It also means informing them of any expectations you have such as delivering it as a spreadsheet rather than a Word document. So that last sentence means informing them of any expectations you have, um, such as, yeah, so the spreadsheet or the Word document. Now, when I look back at the gap, it says regarding how the work should be presented. So that little clue there about the spreadsheet and the word document tells you that this sentence contains the answer so it's not any of the previous sentences where it said information or um, resources or names the answer is simply informing them of any expectations you have because that fits the second part about regarding how the work should be presented. 16, and these do go in order in exactly the same order as the text, by the way. So just keep going down the text. Make sure support is made available if any something exists. Okay, so support must be made available if any something exists as to the team member's ability to do the work. Again, we know it's plural because it says exist, 
not exists. So we know it's plural. So we look into the next paragraph. If you have concerns that someone doesn't have the skills to do a good job, make sure that you offer some help. So you've got the exact words, make sure that you offer some help. And in the statement, it says, make sure support is made available. So you go back to look at that sentence. If you have any concerns that somebody doesn't have the skills. The skills is a synonym for the team member's ability to do the work. So the answer is, if you have any concerns means worries that's it plural if any concerns exist 17 ask the team member to detail how the work is developing for example by providing a regular something so you've got the quick clue there that it's countable because it says providing a regular something and we're looking for um, ask the team member to detail how the work is developing okay so once you've given the task to someone let them get on with it tell them how you expect to be kept informed like through a report once a week so that's it how you expect to be informed is once a week providing a report. No S, of course, it's singular. So once a week is a synonym for regular. Question 18. Now, this is a really interesting word. Students often ask me what it means. And it's a really useful one. So don't delegate administrative tasks simply because they are something. So it's advice about when you should and shouldn't delegate tasks. You shouldn't delegate them simply because they are. So we're looking for an adjective. As a project manager, you have to retain some of the main project responsibilities for yourself. You shouldn't expect someone else on the project team to do your job. Equally, don't delegate tasks such as dull administrative ones just because you don't want to do them. So don't delegate tasks such as dull administrative ones. And the question says don't delegate administrative tasks simply because they are dull. D-U-L-L simply means boring. It's a great synonym for boring. 19, we're looking for a plural again. Managers can ask a team member to check on the achievement of targets at fixed intervals. <gasps> I've just given you the answer. Oh, blast. Managers can ask a team member to check on the achievement of something at fixed intervals. Let's see. 
One way to free up your time to spend on the more strategic and leadership parts of project management is to delegate things that are regular, like noting whether weekly targets have been met. Sorry, I gave you that because I was thinking about something else about how useful this is, even if you're doing academic training. All of this language, if you're working, is fantastic, isn't it? Fantastic language. Ask a team member to check on the achievement of targets at fixed intervals. So this fixed interval synonym is weekly where the targets have been met and the collocation as well. So you meet a target. Sorry, I gave you that answer, but it's because I was thinking about how useful the vocabulary is. Look at this next sentence. Could someone in your team take this on for you? Take this on. Isn't that a great phrasal verb? This can be a useful way of upskilling. That's a fantastic vocabulary you know, great for letter writing in task one. This can be a useful way of upskilling your team members to complement any ongoing training. That's brilliant. Complement with an E, not an I. It means to, to match or to benefit any ongoing training and allowing them to gain confidence too. Such good language. So when people say that general training is easier, it, it's not always easier. A lot of very hmm, modern language from the workplace that I think is really, really useful. And the next one is, I'm not going to give you the next answer, I promise. Number 20. If you something, you risk delaying the whole project. So this is the last paragraph and it says if you do this thing, you may delay the whole project. So the last paragraph says, so in summary, be clear, supportive and don't micromanage. It's one word, micromanage. Actually, how many words are you allowed? Let me check. Just one, I think. Yes, only one word. So it's simply that it says don't micromanage. Micromanage is, well, it explains it. Don't become the problem on your project that prevents progress just because you're afraid to leave people alone to get on with their jobs. So micromanaging is when, yeah, you just, you can't stop yourself from managing the project even though you've given it to somebody else to do for you. So there you go, new word, maybe, micromanage. And it's really useful from a work point of view. Okay, finally, the second part of this section is choosing the right format for your CV. Again, really interesting article, um, work-related, of course. And it says a good CV should be clear, simple and easy to understand. Here are four of the most popular CV formats and advice on when to use them. So there are four headings and interesting as well, a word I talk about a lot in the reading uh, text. Um, well, this is the reading text, but I mean in the part three reading 
and in part one academic, the first type of CV is chronological. You could guess what that means, chronological going in order of time. The second one is functional. Um, so it describes your skills rather than the jobs you've done. The third one is achievement. Again, it, it highlights your experience or your achievements rather than skills. And the last one is non-traditional. So by using graphics and art, for example. So the task here is gap fill again, but it's a summary gap fill. So it summarizes the text into those four um, different types of CV and each type has a bullet point. And it says the chronological is very common and it gives something in most cases. So what does it give in most cases? In the text, it says the traditional CV format is extremely popular because it allows employers to see all the posts you have held in order. It provides flexibility because it works in almost all circumstances. That's it. It provides is the synonym for gives. So it provides flexibility. And by the way, this week on Instagram, I'm looking at irregular word formations. And this is a perfect example here of how important it is. I cannot stress enough how important it is that you learn these lists. And I have the lists on my website. Um, I'll put the link in the description. So the, the answer is actually in the text. You don't need to spell it, except when you're transferring your answers, of course. But flexibility um, is one of those word forms that changes from flexible to flexibility. So the spelling changes. You do need to be aware of that because it will just help you speed up really your answering. Um, but you could use it, of course, in the speaking, in the writing. It's a very useful word, flexibility, and that's the answer. But what's the drawback of this type of CV? Perhaps inappropriate if there are periods where something is not easy to explain. So if you've got a chronological CV and let's say you took two years off to go travelling, then you might have two years of blank, nothing uh, on the CV. So that's the drawback. And it says in the text, if you have blocks of unemployment that are difficult to account for, blocks of unemployment that are difficult to account for. And so the answer, therefore, is periods, blocks, where unemployment is not easy to explain. Not easy is difficult to explain, to account for. And the answer, therefore, is unemployment. Again, uh, word formation. The verb is employ, the noun is employment, the person is employer or employee, and the negative is unemployed as an adjective, unemployment as a noun. The next type of CV, functional, is appropriate for people who intend to follow a new something in their career. Well, think about collocations. You follow a new something. 
in their career. So it says functional. The functional CV is designed to describe your key skills rather than the jobs you've done. The functional CV format is typically used by people who have extensive gaps in their employment history or have often changed jobs. It also suits those who want to go in a different direction work-wise and change industry. So we were looking for a gap appropriate for people who intend to follow a new something in their career. So follow as a collocation could easily be followed by direction, but it says who want to go in a different direction. The synonym is follow a new direction. So direction is the answer for 23. Then for 24, it says it can create something in recruiters. So is best used with caution. It can create something. Um, so we're looking for recruiters as a cinema, syn synonym. And it says some interviewers may view such CVs with suspicion. So be very careful should you choose it. So the whole sentence says, because this format is often used to cover a patchy employment history, meaning patchy patches of work, patches without work, some interviewers may view such CVs with suspicion. So the gap we were looking for was can create and the answer is suspicion. And again, it's another example of word formation where you might know suspect as a noun in the terms of crime, a criminal suspect, or to suspect somebody as a verb. Do have a look at my YouTube video about crime. The vocabulary is really important in IELTS. And then here we've got the noun form suspicion. It's a really weird spelling. It's in the text, so you can copy it, but they obviously like it. <laughs> okay, so the next type of CV is called achievement. And it focuses mainly on what the person has achieved, obviously. The gap we're looking for is it may be advisable if the person has no something in the area. So you look at achievement and it says this can help show your suitability for a role if you lack direct experience of it. If you lack. So lack means if you have no. And the answer is experience. Be careful not to fall for the trick and write two words because it says if you lack direct experience, you always need to check how many words and this is just one. So experience is fine. Finally, the non-traditional CV format. Um, I'd love to know if you've ever seen these or if you've ever used one yourself. It's quite interesting, I think, but they tell us never to use them. But these days it says, with the explosion of digital and creative industries over recent years, CV formats have become more and more imaginative. 
And then we're looking for a gap. It says enables use of attractive something to present data or data, as Americans say. So it says you can present information through graphics, which can be more visually engaging and turn out to be an unusual but winning option. So we were looking for how you could present data. And it says you can present information through graphics. So that is plural with an S because, of course, it's general and there's no uh, there's no article. So it's plural. Now, the last one's an interesting one. Um, again, an irregular plural, which they like very much, although we don't often realise it's an irregular plural and it doesn't matter. So the last thing says it suits applications for jobs in marketing or something. So the last line says is only a highly creative CV format is only really appropriate for creative and artistic sectors, such as those involving promoting products, though it would also work for the media too. So we were looking for uh, the gap and it says suits applications for jobs in marketing. So that's the synonym for those involving promoting products or so we're looking for the second half of that sentence. It would also work for the media too. Again, you've got two words, the media, but in the gap, you only need media. And that is the answer. Media, of course, is a plural for medium, although we just don't use that as a singular noun anymore, I guess. <laughs> Not very often anyway. OK, so we've done a whole two sections of this reading test. And we got through it quite quickly. It's not particularly difficult, but um, there are tricks and you do need to know your vocabulary. So I'll do the section three in the next podcast. It's all about dinosaurs and the secrets they still hold. Remember, section three is so similar to um, the academic test that often you can't tell the difference between them. It's more difficult, it's longer, it's more academic. But now I'm looking at the gap fill, gap fills, I can see so many of the words that I've already identified as words which often come up in reading and listening. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in the next podcast. Thanks very much for listening today and I will see you next time. Bye bye.